0: This is e-commerce FM, the e-commerce SEO podcast with Rob Carey and Matt Young. Welcome back to episode four of e-commerce FM. This is your e-commerce SEO podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Young, and this is
1: Rob Carey. Hello. How are you doing, Rob? All right. Yeah, very well, thank you. Busy week as usual, but uh yeah, surviving. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, obviously, you know, we record these episodes uh, in advance and uh, at the moment, so we don't know when this one's going to get released, but at the moment we're, we're just coming out of lockdown. And it, it, how's that for you personally? Is it, is it sort of, you know, a bit of a relief?
1: Um, I'm not sure if it's a relief, to be honest, I'm going to stay in lockdown for a little while longer to see uh, what happens. Uh, I think it is best just to see uh, how everyone fares before sending the family out into the public just yet.
0: You see, there you go. You can tell you're a dad. That's fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> okay then, Rob. So listen, we, we've we picked the international SEO for e-commerce as our, our topic for today. Uh, there's quite a lot to this one, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I think so. And sometimes it's something that businesses think is only for the biggest brands that they shouldn't really be looking at it right now, but there's so much potential in other countries outside of your own uh, to sell the products that you're already selling locally that it's something you really should look at.
0: Fantastic. So, I this is a massive overall question, but what is international SEO then, Rob?
1: So international SEO is optimizing your website to rank in multiple countries because search engines try to serve local content to local people. So a .co.uk website could rank really well in the UK, but it's not likely to rank so well in the US, for example, unless you've got a very specific niche topic where there aren't any US alternative sites out there with the same products or information. Got ya.
0: So why does this matter then for e-commerce?
1: Well... Loads of customers, especially in B2C, prefer to shop local. They're not really used to seeing foreign currencies in the pricing. Uh, That's more of a B2B thing, especially US dollars. But if you're looking at a consumer, they're not used to having to translate in their heads what these foreign exchange rates are. Plus, not everyone speaks English, even in English speaking countries. You know, there's a large Spanish speaking population in the US and a large Polish speaking uh, population in the UK. And if people aren't able to easily read your website in your native language, you know, there's an opportunity there to offer their own language to them and increase the conversion from that. Also, ordering abroad adds a perceived friction, you know, sort of what's the delivery cost going to be if I'm ordering it from the US, what are the delay is going to be, are there going to be any import or custom fees for shipping something abroad? You know, I think drop shipping is a perfect example of this, where, you know, someone in the US creates a website on, say, Shopify, they choose a few different products on Alibaba, the big sort of Chinese marketplace they get those products delivered directly to their customer directly from China and they charge their American customer double what they're paying on Alibaba for it because the US buyer doesn't feel comfortable going directly to Alibaba themselves or going directly to China themselves and buying these products, even though they could do. And there's that perceived comfort there because it's a local website. So there's lots of money to be made out of not only your domestic market but also the other markets abroad
0: it's absolutely true if i see something with uh, american pricing it it immediately puts me off so it's a really good point that so how do i then target other countries for seo
1: so you basically need to create a new site for every country which sounds quite hard but it doesn't have to be Um, so you can Translate the website uh, for each country and use local currencies. Most payment gateways now allow you to charge in any currency at all and they'll do the conversion for you. So the money ends up in your bank account, your local currency. So Stripe will do that for you. Um, You can get a translator from Upwork or one of these freelance websites. I wouldn't recommend using Google Translate on your website because it's a very automated process that Google uses, obviously, and some of the words might not be the correct translation. Sometimes you might even have a very bad or rude translation come <laughs> through there. So it's best to get a real human translator uh, to work on the site for you. And also make sure that, that translator lives in the target country because there's loads of local phrases and slang words and customs that only someone that lives in that country would know about. So, for example, a Brazilian translator might speak Portuguese, but they don't really know about shopping in Portugal and what people in Portugal would want to see on a website when they're they're purchasing. Um, Also understand the differences in the way that people call products and categories. So, for example, in the UK, we'd say trainers as a type of shoe Whereas in the US, they say sneakers or pumps. And in the UK, we say sunglasses, whereas Australians would say sunnies. So there's lots of these local differences that you should accommodate on your website. It helps with SEO, of course, as well, because people are going to be searching for these keywords and they won't find it on your local website. But they will find that content on your translated or regional website. You should also uh, set expectations as well about delivery times and costs up front. You know, you can be totally honest that this product is going to be shipped from a different country, but don't worry. It will be shipped within this time frame. There'll be a fixed delivery cost of this and we'll cover import fees or custom fees or it's really easy to pay these custom fees Handhold the customer through the journey. And you also need to tell the search engines which country and language you're targeting on each of these new language or country sites.
0: Um, is that easy to do? How would you go about doing that?
1: Well, it used to be a case of buying a local domain name and web hosting for each country you want to target. So if I wanted to start selling my products to Germany, and I was based in the UK. Then I'd buy a .de domain name, or I'd buy web hosting in Germany. It was in, it was expensive, and it was impractical to do that for most businesses, apart from large businesses. Plus, each website would have a different domain name with different authority. So, for example, Amazon.com is more powerful as a domain name for SEO than Amazon.co.uk is, and Amazon.co.uk is more powerful than Amazon.ca is based on their popularity and the number of people that link to those sites. You know, Amazon.ca has a tenth of the power as Amazon.com does, which is why if you're Canadian, sometimes you actually see Amazon.com, the US website for Amazon, outranking Amazon.ca, which is the Canadian e-commerce store. So Google decided to make it much easier than having to mess around with all these different domain names and websites. They started to offer a functionality in what used to be called Google Webmaster Tools, which is now called Google Search Console. And this will allow you to tell the search engine which country your website targets. So if you've got a .com domain name, you'll be able to say this .com website is actually targeting the UK market or the Australian market. And you'd even be able to add separate subfolders of your main website, of your .com, into Google Webmaster Tools and say, this subfolder is for the UK, this one's for Germany, this one's for the US, and it made it a lot easier for managing this kind of situation. Unfortunately, Google decided to deprecate this functionality, and it's not a feature of uh, Google Search Console, the latest version at the moment. So instead, we have to use something called href lang tags.
0: So you're going to have to tell me now, what is an href lang tag, please, Rob?
1: So it's similar to canonical tags, uh, which if you don't know about, we'll probably discuss in a future episode. It's a a link tag which is placed in the head of your HTML, and it tells search engines which country the current page that you're on is targeting. So if there's another version of this specific page for a different country or language, you can Tell the search engine about that in one of these tags and have a tag for each of the languages or countries that you're targeting. And because of this, it helps to prevent duplicate content issues. So if you're targeting both the US and the UK, both of those pages are going to probably have the same content on. They'll both be in English, but you can say, actually, this one is more targeted towards the US consumers and this one's targeted more towards the UK consumers. And it's all you need to basically tell search engines which country you want to rank in and which version of the page is the default or the primary page.
0: Okay, and is it quite a, a simple thing to do? How would I go about adding an hreflang uh, to my website?
1: Well, it's easy on some platforms and not so easy on others. If you use WooCommerce for your e commerce store, then WordPress has a plugin called hreflang tags light. Uh, that will help you implement HF lang tags on your website. In Magento, if you already use the MAGWORKS SEO Suite, uh, the plugin for that, then they have the ability to set HF Lang tags as well. That's the Magento SEO plugin that I'd recommend, uh, MAGWORKS SEO Suite. And for Shopify, it's quite a tricky one, unfortunately.
0: So, what's the problem with Shopify then, Rob?
1: Well, they only support one country per shop, really. So you can accept customers from any country just like you can on other platforms, but you can't create separate language or currency or experiences for each country within a single Shopify site. So it requires you to have a different domain or subdomain for each of these countries that you're targeting and because it's a separate shopify app a separate shopify website you'll have different inventories and a whole separate system to manage so it can be a lot of work for small stores uh, that don't have the dedicated country managers that the larger stores would do so is using a
0: different domain or a subdomain um is it detrimental is it bad then
1: It does get seen as a completely independent website by Google. So there's nothing wrong with using domains and subdomains. Just bear in mind that you'll have to build a whole new authority into those just like you did on your main website. So you could launch on, for example, .example uk.example.com or example.co.uk, but those will have a separate SEO authority to example.com. So it means building authority into each of those. It's much better to go with a subfolder strategy. So example.com forward slash UK, example.com forward slash DE. Then all of the power from example.com flows into those UK and German websites. That makes a lot of sense to do it
0: that way around. Sounds like a little bit less work as well. So Amazon uses different domains for each country. Shouldn't we just copy what they do?
1: It's what most people think is, why don't we just copy Amazon? They're obviously doing really well. But Amazon is also a mega corporation with so much power. You know, Google even changed the way that they crawl Amazon's website to accommodate Amazon. You know, if you have a look at Amazon's pages, they don't use Schema to mark up the reviews on their pages and tell Google what ratings different products have. Google extracts that specifically on Amazon's website, so that it can have that information on its search results. So if Google's changing the way that it indexes Amazon, just to make sure that it's got all the information from Amazon, you can tell that it's not going to behave the same way as it would do on your own website. Mm -hmm. And if you look at something such as amazon.com.mx, which is the Mexican version of Amazon, it doesn't really rank so well in Mexico you know, it's only got around 7,000 unique links which are counted versus a quarter of a million for amazon.com. So, you know, there's some countries where Amazon is actually quite weak. And, you know, there are upsides though for going with Amazon's approach, going with the approach of having a local domain for each country. You get some countries which are very patriotic. So the French, for example, are very patriotic and they really prefer to see fr websites they're much more likely to click through and to trust and to want to invest in something on. fr versus on .com. so you know there's different things to weigh up there how much effort is it going to take to put in all the SEO authority needed to get that individual country domain ranking in that country and how much benefit are you going to get from having that local domain that people might trust a little more than a com website?
0: Yeah, definitely a lot of work. But like you say, if you're going to make sure you're targeting that specific country, it could well be worth it in the end. Um, I know that I, if it says .co.uk or .com, I don't mind either one. I, I tend to use those, and, and my own websites are mostly based on .com. So how do I uh, implement different international stores on my e-commerce platform then?
1: Well, it's still quite hard on uh, the software-as-a-service platforms such as Shopify and Big Commerce. You have to create a whole new shop for each country, as I said before, and uh, you could use a cctld, so a .credituk.de.ca if you wanted to, or you could create a subdomain of uk.example.com or ca.example.com for each store. Uh, so obviously you have the SEO downsides of that. With WooCommerce, it doesn't come with support for country sites out of the box, The best strategy here is to create a WordPress multi-site install, which allows you to create separate WordPress sites within subfolders using the same WordPress software. So you don't have to install WordPress over and over again. And it allows you to then create these country subfolders and activate WooCommerce on each of these country subfolders. So it means you're only maintaining one set of WordPress and WooCommerce code, but you still have the pain of managing multiple versions of WooCommerce, setting up all the different inventory and products on those separately. Now, the the big winner here is Magento. Magento is far and away the best e-commerce platform for having an international e-commerce store. It allows you to create separate store views or stores each one of those being a separate subfolder and targeting a different country or language you know it works out the box with no plugins required whatsoever so if you're thinking you're going to be targeting multiple countries and you really want to push forward with ranking in those different countries magento is without doubt the best platform to do that on
0: that's a recommendation that i would trust definitely so what would you call those country subfolders then just to take that a little step further
1: Well, it depends on which countries you're planning to target. If you're planning to target a country where there's multiple official languages, then you want to include both the language and the country in that subfolder name. So you'd end up having 4-en-us, 4-en-gb. But if you're not going to be targeting countries where there's more than one official language, you can just go down the route of 4-uk, 4-us, 4-fr, etc., so, yeah, it really depends on which countries you plan to target. But those are the most common strategies.
0: Fantastic. Listen, a, a lot covered in today's episode. Um, definitely worth kind of going back over, having another listen again. Uh, and uh, we, we're putting these or say we, <laughs> I'm I'm claiming the, <laughs> that I did it. Rob, you do put this up uh, in text on the website as well, don't you?
1: Yeah, we do do that uh, on ecommerce.fm. There's also links there to the various different services where you can stream our podcast from and subscribe to the podcast. So definitely check out the website ecommerce.fm. And it also has our back catalogue of previous episodes on there as well. And of
0: course, this is the point where we always have to do a little bit of begging. But if you could go on there and give us a rating, it really helps with us, you know, climbing the podcast charts so other people can find out uh, all about the you know, e-commerce and specifically for uh, SEO side of things. Rob, I think that wraps up episode number four for today. Um, is there anything else you want to add at the end of that?
1: No, I think that's good. Excellent.
0: So as always, have a look at that website, ecommerce.fm All the contact details are on there, all our social media links. And as Rob has already said, our back catalog is there as well. So until next week, stay safe, stay happy. And we'll be back with another episode this time next week. This is eCommerce FM, the eCommerce SEO podcast with Rob Carey and Matt Young.